We're in a series, uh, this is actually the third week of a series called From Here to There. It's a, we're walking through the last week of Jesus' life, and uh, we have been on Sunday, Monday, today is Tuesday, um, the, a look at an event that happened in Jesus' life on Tuesday. Now, I want to I talk this morning about something that is very near and dear to my heart. It's, it's something that, uh, that I've personally experienced, and uh, I grew up in the church, as many of you know. And um, for many of you, I know that your church experience w- was similar to mine. Uh, when you were younger, uh, you grew up in an environment where your relationship with God involved a certain standard of rules. And I remember for me, uh, in the environments I grew up in, and, and primarily when I talk about that, I'm talking about the churches I was in, a couple of the college I, colleges I attended. Um, there were some no-brainer rules for Christian kids. There's just We didn't even question these. You know, like no premarital sex, no cussing, no drinking, no long hair, no smoking. And when I moved to Texas in 1980, uh, there was another rule, two rules, no dipping and, and chewing. I didn't even know what that was in Michigan, all right? But in Texas, it was dipping, no dipping and chewing. But there was also some other rules. And uh, many of these rules revolved around things like music. Okay, and there, there was like a playlist. These bands were good, or music, this music was good, this music was bad, this music was really bad, okay? And so we had these rules in these environments uh, that, that I grew up in. And for instance, like this lady right here, uh, I'm dating myself, that Sandy Patty, all right? She was really good, all right, okay? She had a song with a guy named Larnell Harris, I've Just Seen Jesus, and she was a real high soprano. We used to call the song, I Just Screamed Jesus, all right? But that's Sandy Patty, all right? Then, then for many people, now this was really, really good, okay? If you like, I love the cathedrals. I don't know about you. I still listen to some of that. I love these guys, all right? This, uh, that guy on the far uh, left over there, or whatever side, right over here, George Yance, I love that dude right there. I got to meet him personally. I love the cathedrals, all right? Now, now this was a little bit, if you got into the Imperials, you were crossing the line. You were over, this was not on the playlist. I want you to know, but I love the Imperial. Russ Taft was one of my favorite singers, that guy in the right over there with the 70s mustache and the feathered hair. You know what I mean? That, that, but that was over the line. That was over the line, okay? Now, this music was okay. All right, it was Chicago. All right, it was love music. And some of you were, yeah. It was, it was some love music, you know, and love songs. If you were going to cross over into the secular world, this was, this was okay. All right. But this stuff right here, now we hid this. Okay? <laughs> Foreigner, Boston, Toto, cars, all that. We, we, like for me, okay, we liked it, but we hid it. Okay? Nobody in our church would know that I like that. Okay? My parents did, but my, my, and they liked it too, but... The, the, but in our church, you couldn't talk about this. Now, this next one, kids in Satan's service, all right, hey, bad. The next one was worse. If you listen to this, okay, they didn't just have a song called Highway to Hell. You were on your high, the highway to hell, if you like that, okay? Now, I could keep going on and on. I mean, it, it's just one of those things. Now, here's another rule, very cut and dry, okay? This was good. This was the only thing that was good, all right? This next one was evil, bad, all right? Because if, if it's not King James... It ain't Bible. So, so there was all these rules, and if you kept to whatever the rules were, God would be happy with you, and he would not punish you. But if you broke the rules, God was basically out to get you. That's the mindset that I grew up with, and that's the mindset uh, many of you grew up with, and some of you still feel that way. 
here's what I discovered about, about the churches and, and even the different college environments and, that I was exposed to. Everyone had their own set of rules. And you had to figure out those rules very quickly because your spiritual life and your walk with God was, was basically judged on your ability to keep those rules. Here's the problem with rules-based Christianity. If you're following your rules thinking that somehow or another you're going to earn God's favor or you're going to get him to love you more or he's going to be even more pleased with you, then, then what you've fallen into is performance-based Christianity. If, if, if you judge people based on man-made rules, rules outside of New Testament scriptural guidelines, then you are falling into, you've fallen into legalism. All right? If your walk with Christ is more about following rules than it is about developing an intimate relationship, then here's what's going to happen. Either you're going to end up being judgmental of others, which is, which is rooted in pride and arrogance, or you're going to end up rebelling. Because you're going to realize that you can never, ever keep up with all these rules. And, and basically, people, if, if God's happiness, you know, is based on something that I could never possibly live up to, I can't do this, then why try? And I would say that there are many, many people that live in this area that we live in, this part of the country, who, who claim to be Christians, but, but they're out of church or they're living away from God because they, they felt that judged, they felt condemned by, by, the, by the church people that they were around. And, and so they just thought, I could never live up to all these rules why, why try? And so they've stopped going to church, they walked away from God, and they just said, I can't do it. See, there are all kinds of problems with rules-based Christianity. However, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the power of the gospel and how the power of the gospel has the ability to take us from, from where we are to where God wants us to be, from here to there in our Christian life. We talked the first week about you know, about happy to holy and how, you know, we strive to be happy, but yet what God wants from us is holiness. And, and when we choose to walk in holiness, we actually discover happiness, real happiness. And Paul did a great job last week of talking about, you know, impurity and how God wants us to take us from impurity to purity and getting into the unevangelized areas of our lives and examining ourselves and letting God tip, flip those areas over so that he can, he can really dwell and live inside of those places in our lives to bring purity you know, to us. And so this morning what I want to talk about is how God wants to take us from rules to a relationship, a, a true relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants to move us from the idea that says, if you follow the rules, then you'll have a relationship. He wants us to take us from there to the idea, to the truth that says that if you seek the relationship, that you'll naturally want to obey the commands in God's word. See, when we get this backwards we, we, and, and we make it about all of the rules, here's what we miss out on. We miss out on the transforming power of the gospel. We miss out on the life change. We miss out on the, the intimacy and the beauty of the relationship that God wants to have with us. However, isn't it amazing how people desperately want it to be all about rules? It's amazing how uncomfortable church people get when, when, when we start challenging some of the rules. Oftentimes they get mean, they start throwing stones, they start throwing out judgment. And I want you to know, this is not a new problem. I mean, you think back to the time of Jesus. There were men uh, known as the Pharisees, and their job in Jewish culture were, was to be the keeper of Old Testament law. Not only did they try personally, unsuccessfully, to, to live to a strict adherence to Old Testament law, but they were the ones that were in charge of making sure that others did the same. They were like the religion police. They were the keepers of the rules. 
Now, what was the purpose of the rules? What was the purpose of the Old Testament law? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. In other words, the purpose of the Old Testament law was to convict people of their ability to keep the law and to point them to a need for Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, God gave the Jewish people 613 laws. They were moral laws, there were civil laws, there were health laws. Some of them were laws for their own protection. Some of them uh, taught them how to worship. But, But the primary purpose was to make a statement. It was to make a statement that said, there is no way you can keep all of these rules, therefore what you need is a Savior. There is, you will always fail at keeping all of these rules. You cannot do it, therefore what you need is a Savior. No amount of sacrificial lambs or sacrificial goats or grain offerings or whatever offerings you may bring will ever be able to pay for all of these rules or your inability. They won't, won't be able to cover all of this sin or to, or to cover all your failures that you, that you have to, to keep these rules. What you need is a Savior. God wanted a personal relationship with his children, but they kept rebelling. He wanted intimacy with his children, but sin kept getting in the way. And so God gave the Jewish people 613 laws to remind them that they had a sin issue that had to be dealt with. He set the bar so high that there was no way that they could reach it. They had, and he wanted them to know, listen, you have a problem that absolutely must be solved. And that's where Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus was the answer to their sin problem. Jesus came to fix the problem that existed between mankind and God as a result of sin. I want you to listen to what Jesus says about the law in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5 or 17, he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. In other words, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, he came to fulfill it. Now the law demanded two things. It demanded obedience, and it it demanded death. And Jesus fulfilled both of those. He fulfilled it, first of all, through his life. He fulfilled the requirement of obedience through his life. He lived the law out. He was the only person to ever do it. He lived it out perfectly. He accomplished the law to perfection. Every aspect. He lived in perfect obedience to the law. But he also fulfilled it by his death. The law demanded a sacrifice. And so he fulfilled the law by dying for our sins once and for all. The law demanded death for anyone who did not live in obedience to it. And he died on behalf of everyone who failed to obey the law, which was everyone. So the question is, is the law irrelevant? And I would say no. It still exists to point lost people to their need for a Savior. It's still relevant to show people their depravity apart from Christ. But listen, don't miss this now. As true followers of Jesus Christ, we are no longer bound to the law or its requirements. It's been fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus fulfilled it. The law demanded punishment. 
But because he died for our sins, he no longer holds punishment, over, uh, punishment of sin over our heads. In Christ, we are unconditionally loved and accepted. accepted. Payment has been made. The sacrifice has been made once and for all. The law has been fulfilled by Jesus. Now, I did something the other day that I've actually never done before. I read all 613 Old Testament laws. I read through every one of them. I wanted to see what they looked like. And while reading those, those laws, I realized that some of what we think today is spiritual is actually Old Testament law. For example, let me pick on something that is pretty cultural in today's world. All right? There's a lot of Christians that look at tattoos as sinful and worldly. And you think, well, where does that idea come from? Well, it comes from Old Testament law. It's actually talked about in Leviticus 19.28. Here's the problem with this. If you're going to cherry-pick Old Testament law, then you better make sure that, it was e- that it's either in- reinforced in the New Testament, like nine out of the ten, uh, of, of the, the, uh, uh, ten Commandments, because... <laughs> I am a pastor. All right? Because if it wasn't reinforced there, and you're going to cherry-pick, then you better be able to follow the rest of them. For example... How many of you in this room have ever planted a garden or a flower bed or anything like that before? Raise your hand, okay? According to Leviticus 19.19, if you planted different seeds in the same garden, in the same field, you've broken Old Testament law. Many of you are guilty in here right now. How many of you, just let's be honest, how many of you have a scar on your body? Raise your hand. Okay, I have several. I have one right here from a handlebar of a bicycle. I have one here from a vent that I fell on. I have another one here. I can't remember why. And I have one right here. My mom wouldn't open up the door, so I punched the window out and opened up the door. Okay, that's, that's a, another problem for another day I'll tell you about, okay? <laughs> now, if you have a scar according to Leviticus 21.7, you, you have a physical blemish, and you cannot serve in the sanctuary. So many of you are disqualified, including your pastor, all right? Y'all need to go find someone else. How about this one? According to Exodus chapter 23, verse 5, if your neighbor pulls up to their house and their beast, their donkey, is overloaded, you have to help them take the load off of that donkey. If you don't, you've broken Old Testament law. So let me put that in today's context, okay? And I'm stretching here. I mean, if, you're, if you see your neighbor pull up and they got, a, they got a whole car full of groceries, you better go over and help them take it in the house or you've broken Old Testament law. All right. Now, see, they're, they're, they're different. there's a difference between God's rules and house rules. God's rules are laid out in the New Testament. And we're going to get there in just a moment. House rules are the rules that I enforce in my house. And, and, and I'm, they, might have, they might have nothing to do with scriptural principles. Some of them might. Let's, let's take tattoos again for just a moment. Now, my boys and I have had conversations about tattoos, especially me and my oldest son, all right? He's a senior in high school. And, and I've told my boys, as long as I'm paying for college, you can't get one. Why? Why? Because I don't want you putting something on your body that isn't going to be meaningful to you for the rest of your life. Let me give you an example. I saw a kid at a, at a, at a pool last summer, okay? And across his back, in big, bold letters, he had the word swag written across his back. Now, I look at that and I go, that is so 2010-ish, all right? It'd be like some of you, all right? If you were in high school in the 70s, it would be like you having the word groovy written across your chest. 
I mean, if I'm walking on a beach and I see you have groovy, I'm going, you are a child of the 70s. And I'm going to tell you, that's not cool. You just dated yourself. All right? That, it's just not going to be cool. because in, So, you know, in years to come, the word swag, which is going to sag, all right, is not going to be cool. So there's a difference. There's a difference between house rules and God's commands. There's also a huge difference between God's commands and preferences. And this is oftentimes, this is where we like to, to judge other people. This is where we like to throw out churchy phrases. Like, my spirit doesn't identify with that. As if you've got a better spirit. or some, you know. Again, music's another great example of this whole thing here. Especially Christian music. Some of you, like me, you grew up on hymns and southern gospel music. And I still love both. Others of you, uh, this maybe for many of you is your first church experience. And so, you know, we do a lot of music in here. Chris Tomlin music, Matt Redman, Hillsong, that kind of stuff. And you love that stuff. Some of you have branched out into other things like Casting Crowns and Mercy Me. And, you know, so you're into that. Now, here's where we get a little judgmental. We get a little judgmental sometimes when we start talking about Christian rap. Okay? Like Lecrae. Or one one of my college friends, Toby Mack. All right, we, we start looking at that, we go, oh, that can't be right. Oh, that's worldly. Right. I'll tell you where I struggle. Now, I'm going to date my, I'm 47. I struggle. My, one of my boys is into Christian screamo. I, I, I'm just telling you, I, my spirit doesn't identify with it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, we'll get in the car, and my, 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 son, my son will say, can I mess with the radio? I'm like, anything but screamo. I just can't handle it. It makes me nervous. I'm, it makes me just go like, and, and so... But yet, you know, you think about like some screamo music, uh, like Group Four today, Secret and Whisper. <laughs> you know, you follow some of these people like Lecrae. I follow him on Twitter. That man walks with God. I know Toby Mac personally. That man walks with God. My boy follows the lead singer for Four Today on Twitter. I mean, you just listen to the stuff they put out and what they what they talk about. And it's interesting how we judge people based on our preferences, isn't it? We don't look at their heart. We look at all the exterior. I can't tell you how many Christian singers that I grew up with that were on the acceptable list that had affairs on their spouses back in the day. See, we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we don't combine house rules with God's rules. We need to be careful we don't confuse preferences with biblical commands. And we need to be careful that our relationship with God doesn't become anything more than checking off a list of rules and regulations. See, when we create rules that the Bible doesn't ask us to be accountable to, and then we impose them on others as their standard, as a standard for spirituality, here's what we do. We create religion. What's religion? Religion is man's attempt to know and connect with God. Religion consists of man-made rules, rituals, and regulations that oftentimes are not necessarily found in the Bible, nor are they necessary to connect with God on a personal level. But here's what I found. Rules and religion are much easier than relationship. It's easy to check a list. Checking a list off is a whole lot. I did this, I did this, I did this. Check a list, check a list, check a list. We can judge everyone else if your list is different than mine. Relationships take work, don't they? Relationships means you've got to really dig in. You've got to get you know, down and dirty. You've got to get your hands dirty. You gotta be, if, you're, if a relationship's going to be right and it's going to grow and it's going to develop, you've got to be all in. God doesn't want our checklist. He doesn't want our religion. He came to fulfill the requirement of the rules. What he wants from us is very simple. He wants a relationship. 
He wants a beautiful, intimate, deep, growing, developing relationship. God wants to move us from rules to relationship. Now, what does that look like? How does God want to do that? How does he want to move us from here to there? Well, in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 12, Jesus is, is, is uh, teaching and he's, and he's talking and there's, there's scribes and Pharisees around and they're trying to, many people think that these guys were trying to trick him. They kept asking him questions and this particular teacher of the law, a scribe, throws out a question to Jesus. And he asks him a very simple question. Look at verse 28 of Mark 12. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. Pharisees are arguing amongst themselves about Jesus' answers. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which command is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, Well, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This same event is recorded in Matthew as well. And in Matthew twenty-two forty, Jesus ends that statement and he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now what was Jesus doing here? He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 4 through 6. And it would have been a, a portion of, 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 of Old Testament scripture that the Jews would have been very familiar with. It's called the Shema. It was something they recited daily. And here's what Jesus did. He took 613 laws and he condensed them down to two. Now, again, there are still commands in the New Testament. There are still laws in the Old Testament that were carried over to the New Testament. But Jesus said, if you focus on these two, the rest will come together. And interestingly enough, they both focus on relationships. The very first thing he said is, love God. Jesus told the teacher of the law, we are called to love God with every aspect of our lives, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Now, I think a lot of us really struggle with the concept of love. People tell us they love us one day and then they dump us the next. You know, they come up and go, I just don't love you anymore. I've fallen out of love with you. We hear people take the word love and just kind of throw it all over the place. I love that car. I love this house. Oh, that painting. I love that painting. I love, I love this necklace. You know, I love pizza. So what does it really mean to love God, the kind of love that, that, that God's talking about here? Well, again, we're called to love, to love God with every aspect of our lives, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. But what exactly does that mean? And where did Jesus get that thought from? Because, again, it wasn't a new idea to the Jewish people especially to this guy who was asking the question, the, Jewish, the expert on Jewish law. What this teacher of the law didn't realize is that the actual author of the scriptures that he had been teaching and studying for years was standing right in front of him. And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4 through, uh, 6, 4 through 9, which is, again, probably the most quoted portion of scripture in the day. Jesus said it... Or, and God said in Deuteronomy 6, 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. The word love that Jesus was referring to is not the same word that we use to describe our love for pizza. Instead, it's a Hebrew word. It's the word ahav. It means, 
an act of the mind or will. It's an act of choice that chooses to follow and to be dedicated and committed to someone or to something regardless of your feelings or what they may be at any given moment. Now, the Greek equivalent of this word in the New Testament is the word agape. It's not a, it's not a friendship kind of love. It's not a romantic kind of love. It's, it's a love that loves intellectually and purposefully and it chooses to be committed to someone with every part of their being regardless of what happens or how you feel it's the love that keeps a marriage together when we choose to love our husband or our wife with our whole being regardless of of what may happen at the moment or how we may feel at the moment we are expressing a have love you see the jews got the whole idea of loving god all wrong they believed it was all about following a list of do's and don'ts and reciting prayers and wearing special clothing and putting boxes of of scripture on their forehead or on their arm and i mean loving god was basically just another rule to them and yet this is the kind of love that is still presented to, to many people today in churches all over the world that's why there are so many people who are so turned off by the church and turned off by religion that's why there's so many de church people in our own community Like I said earlier, I mean, so many of us grew up in religious environments where it was all about how things looked on the outside rather than what was going on on the inside. Loving God was more about rules than it was a relationship. It was was a very stagnant, heavy burden because you never thought you were doing enough to actually please God. And what does that produce? Let me tell you what it produces. It produces apathy. It produces emptiness. And it even produces legalism. It doesn't produce the kind of life change that Jesus talks about in Scripture. It just creates oppression. It doesn't lead us into the kind of intimate relationship with God that that he truly wants to have with us. Listen, the heart of God has never been moved by empty words and by empty prayers and by empty rituals and by empty religion. Religion doesn't grab the heart of God. He's a God that loves us with everything he has, his whole being. He puts all into it, and in return, he asks us to love him the very same way with all that we have, with everything, every part of us. Listen to how Jesus describes this relationship that God wants to have with us. He tells us, He says, love God with all of your heart. In other words, love God with an undivided attention, with a a deep sense of sincerity, with genuineness. He says, love God with all your soul, with putting all of your emotions and all of your feelings and all of your desires into the game. Love God with all of your mind, which means love God with your logic, love him with your reasoning, with your thought process. Let all of your decision-making be a reflection of how much you love God. Love God with all your strength. Put every bit of passion and everybody, your best energy and, and your, your best intensity into this relationship. I want you to think for a moment. Think for a moment about your love for God right now. And let's just take a moment of, uh, you know, let's take a moment of inventory. A moment to evaluate. We're going to take communion in just a moment. It'll be a great time for you to just evaluate where you are with God right now. So he says, love God, heart, soul, mind, strength. Then he says, love people. In other words, think as much of those around you as you think of yourself. And this includes not just people inside the church, but outside the church. Who are you blessing right now? Who are you investing in? 
Now, I want to tell you something about these two things, love God, love people. These are heavy commands. It's tough. You dedicate your life to this. I'm telling you, you this this is difficult to do. But here's the thing. We're no longer under Old Testament law, but we are under the law of Jesus. And the law of Jesus says to love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love others, to love people with a love that is sacrificial, that is generous and selfless. Now think what would happen if we truly love God and love people like Jesus commanded. I'm going to tell you three things that would happen. First of all, we would fulfill Old Testament law and we would fulfill the law of Jesus Christ. If we obey those two commands, we are fulfilling all that Christ requires of us. Jesus said all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. But listen, Christianity is not about following a set of rules. It's about a relationship based on love. Now you might be thinking, how in the world and where in the world am I going to get this kind of love from? I mean, how am I going to love God with this kind of, this kind of love? I mean, how can I love other people with this kind of love? Because I'm, honestly, Brian, let's be honest, there are people out there that I just don't like. I can't stand them. I mean, I mean, you might even go down the road of hate. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. In other words, you can't fulfill the law of Jesus apart from the love of God. To love God with heart, soul, mind, strength starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through salvation. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only son but here's the deal you can't do that it can't be fulfilled until we allow the holy spirit to control and transform our lives there's no way you can muster up this kind of love that jesus is asking for for other people apart from the holy spirit empowering you it's just not going to happen that's why we have to die to ourselves we have to depend on the spirit we have to surrender ourselves to the power of the holy spirit If we could focus our lives on loving God and loving others the way Jesus commands, we would not only fulfill the law of Jesus, but let me tell you what else would happen. Our lives would be transformed and our community would be transformed. I promise you that if you will focus your life on loving God with heart, with soul, with mind, with strength, if you will make that the, the, the center, the pursuit of your life, you know what's going to happen? Things will begin to change in your life. Your desires will change. Your will will change. You will want God's will instead of your own. Your dreams and your goals will be aligned with God's dreams and goals for your life. And as a result of that, here's what's going to happen. You're, you're going to have a, a love for people that you never thought possible. Out of that, the overflow of your love for God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you're going to have a heart for people, the people that are on God's heart. The poor, the widow, the poor in spirit, the orphan. You know, some of we look at the screen, we look at people from Africa who are suffering and starving in this and that, and go, I, you know, I wish I could love those people, but I don't. Listen, you pursue God with heart soul, mind, and strength, and you will begin, out of the overflow of that, you will begin to love others the way God truly wants you to love. When it's all about following the rules, I want to tell you, and I know this from personal experience, it's a heavy burden. Ah, it's drudgery. I I thank God for a mom and a dad who who truly, even though we were in some very legalistic environments at, at different times in my life, 
they truly, in the best way they could, lived out what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to love God, to love others. You see, when it's about a relationship instead of rules, I'm telling you what, it's joy. It's just true joy. There's transformation. There's, there's just true life change that takes place. And here's the deal. We'll want to obey. We'll want to obey. Not out of fear of punishment, not out of fear that God's going to zap us or whack us. But, oh, listen, we'll, we'll want to obey out of respect. We'll want to obey out of love. We'll just want to, we'll want to, we'll realize that God loves us. He wants to protect us. He has a better plan for our lives in the world. Does he? We'll realize how great and how mighty and how loving this God truly is towards us. I mean, it just, and out of that, man, it'll flow to others. So, how, let, let's evaluate. Let's take a moment of inventory. How's your love for God right now? Not rules, not a checklist. Heart, soul, mind, strength. How we doing? And how's your love for people? It could be your spouse, your kids, your neighbor. It could be your mom, your dad, whatever. How's your love for people you don't even know? People overseas that you may never meet. The widows at the, the house that we were just shown a moment ago in, in Burkina. I mean, do, do we care? for the things that are on the heart of God. Love God, love others. I want us to bow our heads for a moment. We're going to just have a, a time of reflection. We're going to have a time of inventory. We're going to have a time of evaluation. This is a time where we just say, Lord, I want to put these two things in front of you. Forget all of the other stuff. Right now, I want to evaluate my love for you. Based upon your love for me. And then I want to evaluate my love for others. How am I doing? Here's the beauty of walking with Jesus. We can repent. When things aren't right, when there's sin in our lives, we can repent. And God is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us when we bring those things before him. There's some of you in this room that, I mean, you have tried so desperate, so desperately to please God, to follow all of the rules, to, you know, all the little jots and tittles that the Hebrew talks about. You've, you've tried so hard, and you're just, you're miserable. I, I would venture to say that there are people in this area, people that might even be in this room that have been in church all their lives, and yet you are as lost as you could possibly be. Because your relationship with Christ has never been about receiving the free gift of salvation, but it's been trying to prove something to God, trying to earn something that you could never earn. The law, the rule, it all points to Jesus. If the law could do it, we would have never needed Jesus. Jesus came to fulfill it. To not only live it out perfectly, to accomplish it on our behalf, but also to die for it, to sacrifice, to pay it off, to make things right between us and God. And this morning, I want to ask you, and I want to challenge you to lay down your desire, 
your pursuit to follow all the rules and for maybe the first time in your life to develop a relationship. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want you to pray with me. God knows your hearts and this little magical prayer. Just pray with me. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to be your Savior, you've never established a relationship with him, you've never received his forgiveness, things have never been made right between you and God, I want you to pray with me. Lord Jesus, just say, Lord Jesus, right now at this moment, I need forgiveness. I repent of this idea, Lord, that I could earn salvation, that I could do enough to get in right standing with you. Lord, if that were the case, Jesus would not have had to come into this earth. But Lord, I want to thank you that the price has been paid, the sacrifice has been made, the work's been accomplished. Jesus did it all. And it's only through Jesus that I can now have a relationship with you. And so I pick every bit of my faith, every bit of my trust, all of my desires, and I just, I lay them down at the foot of the cross, and I receive the free gift of salvation. I receive forgiveness. I receive reconciliation between me and God. Thank you for doing something that I could never do on my own. I am forever indebted to you, Lord, for all of eternity. You just pray that prayer, head still, still bowed. I want you to, there, on your, in your worship guide, there's a place for you to let us know you did that. We want to help you to take your next step. Um, fill it out. Check the box that says, this morning I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. Take it to the Help Center in the atrium. We want to help you to take the next step. I want to turn things over to Paul right now. We're just in a moment of reflection, a moment of evaluation, inventory. Just in a moment to, for us to repent, make things right with God, thank Him. Praise him for all that he's done.